Welcome to the School Facilities and Operations Podcast. I am Burke Jones, and every week we get on here and talk uh, K-12 facility operations, whether that's with another uh, director of operations or facilities at a school district, um, or sometimes we have trade partners on here where we really pick their brain about what we need to know as facilities people to do our job better and more effectively in maintaining our buildings or bidding projects, all of that kind of thing. And so today, I have the honor to speak with uh, Jim Rich. Uh, he is the Director of Operations at Park Hill School District, which I think is a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri area. Right. Uh, so welcome, Jim. Thanks, Bert. I'm glad to be here. Uh, yes, as you said, at Park Hill School District and if you're familiar with Kansas City area at all, we uh, actually our northern boundary goes through the middle of KCI Airport. So that's oh, okay. where we are located in the Kansas City area. And uh, Platte County is a county that we're in, southern southern part of that county. So, so you're uh, we, northeast Kansas City? I'm sorry? Are you kind of northeast Kansas City area? Uh, northwest, right up against the river. The, our, the Missouri okay. River is our boundary on the west. So for, for okay. most of it anyway. Yep. Sounds good. Well, Tell us a little bit about maybe your career path to this point, and then I always ask everybody to share something about yourself that we can't read about when we're reading about all the business accomplishments on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, uh, my path uh, in this position is a little different than most, at least that's what I understand. Um, I don't have a background in necessarily in construction and maintenance and facility maintenance and that kind of thing. Um, I, uh, many, many years ago, I was a business manager for uh, UPS, uh, left there and uh, um, went to the school bus business. And I was uh, a manager for uh, several different locations for a private school bus contractor. Okay. And uh, when I was doing that, actually Park Hill School District was one of my customers. And uh, my kids grew up in Park Hill. We've lived here all, all my adult life, pretty much. So I've uh, been, been in this district for a long time. Uh, but while I was uh, in the bus business, I was asked by one of the customers, uh, not Park Hill, to design, help design a transportation facility okay. uh, for that district. Uh, it was in, on the Kansas side, actually. So I uh, did that right after that. Um, I, I had made... Uh, a lot of contacts uh, with Park Hill. And uh, it just so happened that uh, myself and the HR director at the time were kind of thinking the same direction that I might be a good fit for this role when uh, my predecessor retired. And uh, we called each other on the phone that day. It was kind of, a, I think it was a cool story that I called him, didn't hear from him all day. And then he called me and he didn't even know that I called in the morning. So we were both thinking the same thing. Uh, not that it was easy to get the job, still had to do three different panel interviews and all that. That was pretty stressful. But, uh, but anyway, so I, uh, my most of my background is in transportation and logistics. Um, uh, that is part of my responsibilities. Uh, we do contract our transportation still, and um, uh, that is uh, one of my responsibilities is overseeing the contract with the transportation provider. Uh, I also oversee uh, all construction projects, uh, building maintenance, grounds maintenance, and this is my, I'm just about to finish my 17th year here in the district. So I'm very fortunate to be here. Uh, love my job, something new and different every day. I'm sure you can, you can attest to that. 
that's that's what makes it fun. Absolutely. I mean, be talking about transportation one minute and a toilet the next, you know, <laughs> you just never know. So uh, uh, one thing you're not going to see on LinkedIn for me, I'm, I'm an avid golfer. I love to play golf uh, and at my age, and that's about all I can do anymore. I've said athlete. <laughs> you know, all my life through high school and college. And, but at this point in my life, that's, that's about it. Um, um, love the Lake of the Ozarks. We have a lake lake house down there that, uh, actually my dad and I built, uh, back okay. in the seventies and early eighties. And now it's my family. So we spent a, a lot of time down there. That's fantastic. I love that area. You know, when you talked about your interview with three panel interviews, I don't, I don't think people that haven't interviewed, for this level of job at a school district to understand how school districts interview because mm -hmm. in the private sector you just go in meet with somebody typically that's it they offer you the job or they don't but man in school districts i had the same thing i had like my first i was in one day but like it was an interview with 10 people mm -hmm. they went around the table asking questions and then i left that and went and met with the superintendent and the two assistant superintendents for another interview, um, way more stressful yes, than anything I'd ever seen in the private sector. It <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, Jim, I, I heard you on Joshua Peach's podcast and you mentioned in there that one of your focuses through the years has been preventative maintenance. And I thought, man, what a great way. Cause I'm, that's like on one of my goals this year is starting to improve our PM program um, in my district. And so it's kind of one of the reasons I started the podcast is I wanted to learn from everybody else. So um, invited you on and I, I kind of just want to dive into PM and kind of how you started, what you were thinking, and then just kind of go through, we'll just keep talking. Sure. So sure. how did you like, how did you decide to like kind of have that as a focus and how did those early conversations go and like, who did you talk to about it? Well, uh, as I said, my background was not maintenance or equipment or, uh, MEP of any kind, really, uh, kind of learning as I, as I went, I mean, I had some basic knowledge, but that's, that's no more than anybody else probably. And, uh, when I first took the position, uh, which was a long time ago, um, I quickly learned that from a, facility maintenance and equipment maintenance standpoint, uh, you get more bang for your buck uh, in preventive maintenance and, and uh, which just uh, elongates the life of uh, all your equipment. Uh, we chose um, to focus first on our HVAC equipment. Um, it's kind of easy when you're talking about preventive maintenance and HVAC. And there's, you know, many different things that you can do uh, uh, more than just changing filters, which we do, obviously that, uh, but uh, other things. So when we we signed up for uh, the system, the maintenance um, software that we were using at the time, um, that was what we chose to start with. It's a huge task to get started. There's a lot of information that has to be entered and a lot of uh, uh, things that need to be put in the system manually. There's, it's hard to do it automatically. Right. Uh, some people claim that they can do that, but even if you do that, you still have to go through it back manually. To, so that's what we started on and then grew from there. I mean, we've got everything from, from our HVAC equipment to, uh, we have a, a fleet of 55 white vehicles. We have all of them in there as well for oil changes and 
Uh, I require them to wash their truck once a month and clean it out and that kind of stuff. I mean, you can drill down as, as much as, as you can. Um, the goal, the, the software that we were using at the time, um, what they claimed was that if you have around 30% of your total work orders as preventive maintenance work orders, you're doing a pretty good, pretty good job. And uh, I just looked here well, when I was with, on with Josh and we were around 40 to 41% uh, PMs to uh, work orders. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of anecdotal information, if you will, but uh, I, I would say that the percentage is higher because we have focused on preventive uh, uh, maintenance, which reduces our work orders. Right. So automatically the percentage is going to be a little higher. I mean, again, it's anecdotal information and uh, because it's hard to, hard to quantify, you know, what, what exactly, uh, what kind of dollar savings and that kind of thing. But, but uh, we've had very few uh, breakdown, breakdowns on HVAC equipment or, or anything else that we do uh, heavy PMs on. So right. I feel like it's been a success and, and we will continue to move that direction. Yeah. Does your software give you spit out that calculation for you? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Yep. Okay. So did you have to get any buy-in from anybody else, um, finance or anybody else, or did, was it just, Hey, we're going to start doing this. We don't need any more money. We don't need any, any other support or, uh, that's a good question. Uh, again, going way back and testing my memory, that's dangerous uh, for me anyway. Um, I had support. Yes, I presented it to them and what we were going to do as far as moving into PM because, uh, I mean, it was one thing to get the software. That's That was kind of a right. no-brainer because we had no software at the time. Right. So we were all on email and paper and that kind of thing, which is, you know, that was kind of ridiculous back in those days. But um so I had the support to get the software, one. Uh, but then when I started having conversations with my with my boss, uh, who's the assistant superintendent, and our HR folks about what it was going to take, you know, to get to a PM um, or to get to get to a more of a PM uh, model than just a reactive, uh, I had their support as well. So we're going to have to have had had people where here's the things we're going to have to do and presented all that to them and pre presented the, the ROI. I mean, our equipment's going to last longer, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they saw that. Um, uh, again, I've been very fortunate uh, in the district that I work in that uh, I have that support uh, both financially and, and just mentally, I guess, right. uh, from them uh, to, you know, they see my vision as well and they understand it. And, and uh, I haven't had to go, jump through too many hoops uh, yeah. to uh, to get them to understand what, what, what we're all about. So. so what were your techs? What were, cause I, I'm fortunate. Like I have two people that are, that are just assigned to do PM mm -hmm. activities. Um, but what were the techs? What was their initial reaction? Well, coincidentally about that, about that time, um, I was really lucky to hire uh, a guy that had been in commercial HVAC for 20 some years. And he, I didn't have to explain it to him. He knew uh, yeah. that was the way to go. And uh, I worked with him very closely to uh, set up the PMs and, and what we needed to do and the frequency and all of that. And he worked with his team, uh, his techs, uh, to show them exactly what they needed to do. So it was pretty easy from an HVAC standpoint. It was pretty easy 
you know, to, to make that transition uh, with his help because um, he had he had all the knowledge. Again, I'm not an HVAC expert. He he was so right. He wanted to kind of drove the bus on that and and uh, you know instilled in his team the importance of it. And I I also had him talk to to the the folks that I mentioned earlier, my assistant assistant superintendent and and the HR folks to explain the importance. And in fact, he took the assistant superintendent on the roof with him and uh, showed him showed him how to do maintenance on one of the pieces of equipment. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I mean, we have checklists and stuff, but I think I want to just in my district, just elevate that um, and start tracking that as a metric. And so like I just went on YouTube and I looked like I said, PM a rooftop unit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's like a million videos of guys filming themselves and this is, and they're all pretty similar, but do you know what, do you know off the top of your head, like what do you guys typically do like on a rooftop unit? Oh boy, no, not really. I mean, I yeah. can, you can try to fake it if you will. I mean, obviously changing filters, uh, checking right. the belts, uh, grease and bearings. Uh, we do, uh, during the summer, we do hire uh, a couple college kids to, uh, all they do all summer is um, um, power wash coils. Okay. So um, we've got over a thousand pieces of equipment and uh, we've been lucky to have, I mean, we, they're not going to stay more than three or four years while they're in college, but they usually come back year after year after year because they're getting paid pretty well. I mean, that's right. a pretty good job for a college kid in the summer. Of course, you're standing on a, you know, 120 degree roof all summer too. But, um, but uh, uh, other than that, just, yeah, I, I don't, again, I'm not yeah. an expert, but I know that's, that's the basis, basics right. of the, of the PM. Yeah. That's what I saw. Like tightening nuts that hold wires, hmm. maybe changing the cat, the start capacitor, maybe checking amperages at startup. Right. Yep, exactly. yep. You guys have, yeah. oh, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, and each manufacturer is going to give you, you know, what their recommendations are for, for right. uh, PMing those pieces. Right. So do you guys have cottonwood trees up there? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have a building that we have to clean the, in a certain time of the year, we have to clean the coils about every four days. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like, they are loaded with cottonwood. <laughs> So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So you just start with one unit and say, okay, let's figure out what this unit needs and, and built the system. And then went to the next unit and built the system. And yeah, the first thing we did was just create the equipment list. I mean, we didn't have that on paper anywhere. Uh, right. So again, work with the, my lead HVAC guy and just an Excel spreadsheet basically. Uh, and then uh, I had one of my administrative assistants take that information and roll it into the, the software system we were using at the time to create that equipment list. And then once you have that, uh, it's pretty easy to set up the PMs and you pick, you know, what kind of, what type of equipment that you want to PM and then you list what you want to do on that PM in that work order and it just, uh, and then choose your frequency, how often you want to do it and that kind of thing. For us, it's twice a year. Uh, I know a lot of people recommend and, and we wish we could do more than twice a year, but we just don't have the people. I mean, it takes us to change filters and do the basic PM. Like I said, change filter, check belts, grease bearings, that kind of thing. Uh, it takes us about almost three months to do it. Right. Uh, we have we have four guys uh, on our HPAC team. So, 
Have you had to build any accountability to make sure that, you know, when they check it off, it's actually been done or is your team just like solid and gets it done? Uh, well, both, they are solid, but my, that's the responsibility of my lead HVAC tech. He, he spot checks and he's yeah. out there too involved and, and watching right. them what they're doing, that kind of thing. But yeah, they, I, again, I'm pretty fortunate where I'm at. We have, we have a really good team. Yeah, that sounds like it. Well, that's, that's fantastic. So have you rolled it out to any, so you did, I think we, um, you said you're doing the, your white fleet, like your white trucks and vehicles and. Yeah, we're doing that. I mean, um, really everything. I mean, uh, uh, plumbing, electrical, you know, and off the top of my head, I'm not going to be able to name everything that we, we do right. for all of those different trades and pieces of equipment, but, uh, you know, even our custodians, we've we've assigned them as technicians, and, and every district's a little different from a custodial standpoint. We, our custodians, really don't do any work other than custodial, right. except the only thing they would do would be they can change a ceiling tile or change bulbs if we, we still have some uh, fluorescence uh, throughout the district. Right, we're slowly working on that, but um, but they will get PMs on checking their exit lights. Are they working? Are they checking their, they have a one for checking ceiling tile and it's just a visual inspection, but they check it off. And then when the custodial manager or supervisor does run checks and that kind of thing, if they see something like that, uh, then they know that person, you know, didn't, didn't do what they were supposed to do. Right. Right. Um, the plumbing standpoint, I mean, they check you know, water fountains, uh, go in all the, uh, restrooms, make sure everything's functioning properly, you know, that kind of thing. And again, I'm fortunate to have a couple of good plumbers and they do that anyway, even without the PMs being uh, generated. They're, they're in their buildings all day, every day, walking through and just checking things out. So, Right. So what's the frequency on some of those custodial PMs? Like monthly? Uh, monthly. Uh, most, most of those are monthly. Uh, there may be a few that are less frequent than that, I guess. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what, what those yeah. might be, but but uh, we've even rolled it out to our grounds crew uh, for mowing. We want them to capture when they're mowing, how long it takes them to mow, that kind of thing. Um, um, uh, playground inspections. Uh, we have, oh, well, I don't know how many, six or seven certified playground inspectors. Okay. now on our grounds crew and that's that's part of their responsibility at each of our elementaries is to check those weekly uh for safety you know right. breaking mulch and that kind of stuff but, right so a little bit of everything no it sounds like you've grown it out a lot and you gave me some new things to think about that um because i think we have expectations like make sure you check this every month but it's mm -hmm. not a work order that comes out that they have yeah. to check off. Right. Um, and that, so that's exactly it, Burke, that, that, you know, anything you can think of, that's a regular, put it in a PM. I mean, yeah. there's no reason not to. I mean, it, it captures that work. And when you need to go talk to your HR folks or whoever about needing a new person, you can pull up that information pretty readily and say, we're spending X number of hours every week or every month doing this. And right. we just don't have enough hours in the day to do that. Plus take care of all the, the reactive work orders that we have. So. Yep. No, it's fascinating. I mean, you mentioned ceiling tiles. Like my team has learned that that is one of my big pet peeves. If there's a stain on a ceiling tile, yeah. 
and we fix the problem. <laughs> Replace yep. the ceiling tile. <laughs> One, yeah. one, one of mine is uh, uh, street signs. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. I, yeah, I can see it leaning. Can't you see it leaning? All you got to do is straight it up. It really doesn't take that long to see that. Yeah. <laughs> drives me crazy. Well, I think, I think, yeah, you've given me a lot of things to think about on how we can expand ours out even more and start start capturing and tracking that it was actually done. Like we, historically, our city fire department has done our annual fire inspections mm -hmm. and I don't know, they've had some change or something. So they turned it back over to the state. And I'm, I'm talking like this has been mm -hmm. for years, the local fire department. And so, you know, with our relationship with them, you know, we just kind of took care of things as they came up and when they walked around, but this year we had a state fire marshal. Well, I don't know. The expectations were a lot different. And so one of the things that I've already, that I have done this as a PM is making sure that every fire door, when it's released, latches. <clears throat> because we had so many <clears throat> doors that would not latch when they swung shut. And I don't know, I think we spent like $15,000. Some, some places need a new, need a new door. You know, I mean, <clears throat> it was just, it was just crazy. So I'm like, okay, this isn't happening again. Like we're going to PM this on a schedule so that when the fire marshal shows up, all of our doors will latch. <laughs> so yeah, it's little things like that, that you don't want to have repeated. That would be excellent to put on a PM system so yeah. that somebody's tasked with looking at it. Yeah. So, um, I wonder what, like how high, I wonder how high you can go. I mean, I know it's anecdotal, but I wonder, you know, is there a district that has 60% of the, yeah. you know? Uh, well, going back to the old system, the old uh, software system we were using, you could look at other districts and that kind uh -huh. of stuff. The new one doesn't do that as well. Um, but uh, it was interesting to look at that kind of thing, how you compare it to your counterparts across the country. And, um, but as long as you, I mean, I guess it depends on how competitive you are. As long as, long as you're here making some strides and, and you know, making some gains in your PMs and uh, again, extending the life of your equipment and that kind of thing, that's, uh, that's the goal. It really is because if you can reduce those times when it's 95 degrees outside and the air conditioner breaks, which is a direct impact on the ability of the staff to teach and our students to learn, Mm -hmm. um, that goes a long ways. Yeah. That's what we're here to do is to support that environment. So if we can eliminate those breakdowns or reduce those breakdowns, um, we fulfilled that mission. So, yeah, it's interesting. You said that. So we're getting ready to go or we're in the, we're just finishing up our new CSIP, our comp comprehensive school improvement plan, uh, for the next five years. That's the state requires us to do that in Missouri anyway. And, uh, one thing that was added this year over past years is uh, one, what are you going to do with your aging facilities? Because uh, we're at the point now where we've had a lot of good steady growth and we've built uh, five new buildings in the last three years. We've got one more new building coming up in our next bond. But what are you going to do now going back and taking care of your aging facilities? Um, but the other part of that is the direct or the, the direct question in the CSIP from a facility standpoint is um, 
what can you do to uh, make sure that the, well, I forget how it's worded, that the, the learning day is not disrupted? That's well, fascinating. Everything we do is, <laughs> so well, we don't disrupt the learn the day of learning, you know, so. Right. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, you know, what metrics can we measure? That's what we're looking at now um, that directly affects that, that point in the CSIP. So. Yeah, that's, that would be interesting to track. Um, how many buildings do you guys have total, like schools? Uh, well, schools, 22, we have 26 total buildings that we're maintaining. I count, when people ask that question, I always grin because, well, we have a, we have a press box with concession stands. That's a building that I have to maintain. Okay. We have an old house that we own that we have a, a closed closet in is what we call it. We have to maintain that, you know. Uh -huh. well, I count all those buildings too. I, I do the same. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we have tw here. We have twelve schools and I think like eighteen buildings total. Yeah. So yeah. we have right at two million square feet under. Okay. Buildings. Yeah. Well, um, so how often do you track that metric? Is that just something you look like every once in a while, or when you give your annual operations report to the board, or? Well, we're just now developing that. So we haven't, uh, we're trying to, to figure out exactly what what are we going to measure that, that affects that metric, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, what I've measured in the past, uh, we uh, in the past we've done, a, it's called a, a, um, a program um, evaluation plan or a program, sorry. And um, what I've measured, the three things that I've measured are percent of PMs to reactive work orders, right. uh, on time completion of work orders. Uh, and we send a uh, survey to 25% of our work orders that are completed. So it's the way our system is set up is that anybody in the district, anybody that has a district email address can enter a work order. Okay. Okay. And the reason I did it that way is now all the communication, anytime uh, the status is changed of that work orders, work order, that person gets an email, say it's been approved or it's been completed or whatever, and tells what we did. Because a lot of times we won't even see if a teacher enters a work order, we're going before school or after school or whatever, and they won't even see right. us. So I want them to have that communication. Uh, we have about 10,000 work orders a year, uh, actually more than that, about 11 to 12. And I didn't want to send out 10,000 surveys. So we just do 25% of the, of the folks. So to get their customer satisfaction, it's a simple four or five question survey. And uh, uh, so we measure the, the customer satisfaction, the percent of, percent of PM work orders and the on-time completion. And on-time completion is within uh, five days. Okay. So have you always allowed everybody in your district to enter work orders? Yes. Yeah. So that's something here, like we we're not operating that way. So the head custodians, the school secretary and principals can enter work orders, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm struggling with it because of that communication aspect. Right. Um, and the person who's got a hot room, never gets any communication that anything's that we've been there, that we fixed it, that we're waiting on parts, unless they ask the school secretary or right. head custodian. The fear, I think in my, in, in my mind, especially from our staff's mind, is if we open this up to everybody, 
like we're going to get flooded. It, but it does. The people I've talked to, that doesn't seem to be the way it works. No, it's not. And and my my first reaction to what you just said is good. I want to be flooded because right. guess what? In our district, we have two thousand employees. That's two thousand sets of eyes out there that I can't be in every building every day. My technicians yeah. can't be in every building every day. You're in that right. classroom every single day. And this is what I've tried to drill into our custodians' minds, you know, that especially the night custodians that are cleaning every single room. You guys are in every square inch of that building every single day. If you see something wrong, I want to know about it. Right. And, and tell us about it so we can fix it. But the same thing with the teachers. We still struggle with the teachers. They just feel like I don't have time to mess with that. And they'll call the secretary and the secretary is it. And I've tried right. to. Over the years, I've tried to stop that just for that communication reason. Uh, but some principals say, no, my secretary done it. But everybody has the option if they want right. to do it. Right. Well, I like it to close the feedback loop because mm -hmm. half the time we're in their classroom and they're, you know, early in the morning and they don't even see us. And yep. they don't know then what happened. And especially, you know, if we have to order parts, you know how it is. Like, some of these parts are like a month out or something. Right. And, you know, we make it work a little bit and then wait for the part to come in to fix it. So I think if we could close that loop, it would be better. But, well, man, you've given me a lot to think about. Anything else you want to to share about what we've talked about? Mm. No. Um, I mean, I think, you know, just to, Reemphasize the importance of the PMs. I mean, we've said that over and over again, and right, and uh, that is definitely the way to go. Uh, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding for me. Uh, you know, going back before we emphasized that so much, it was like we were chasing our tail all the time, right? And and now we're in a. You know, I just I just did a board item today for next week that uh, you know to replace HVAC equipment. Now they, that HVAC equipment we're replacing is not failing. It's just reached its age that we don't want it to fail. We're going to go right. ahead and replace it, you know, and, uh, you know, if you're a district that, um, that is struggling for funding and, and especially capital funds to do that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have a system, you know, PM system in place and a work order system in place and track that stuff the way you can in those systems, it's pretty easy to say we've spent, X number of hours and X number of dollars on this piece of equipment, it's not going to last. It's going to fail. So do right. you replace it or wait till it fails? And then we're, you know, it's going to be 16 weeks before you get a new one. Yes. That's the way it is. So um, again, I'm fortunate enough. I, I, at this point, I'm not having to sell that as much as, as some folks. And, and again, I'm, I've said it many times, I'm very fortunate in the district that I work in and they're very supportive of, yeah. of what we do. So, Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Well, man, thanks so much for spending your time with me. So I end every episode with three questions, same three questions for everybody. So how would your family describe what you do for a living? <laughs> uh, well, my grandkids have no idea. The oldest one's six. <laughs> Uh, but my kids, again, they grew up in this district, so they know they know pretty much exactly what I do. They know that that I take care of Park Hill facilities yeah. and grounds. Yeah, fantastic. So, next question is, 
for like planning purposes, do you use like a digital planner, like an iPad or something, or take notes on on all that, or do you are you paper? No, I'm digital. Yeah. No, I well, you know that's interesting. I'm mostly digital. Uh, I still carry a, a portfolio around with me just to take jot notes down in in case something comes up, and you yeah. know instead of pulling my phone out and doing that, yeah, mostly yeah. digital. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much digital now. I got an app that works on my MacBook, my iPad, and my phone. Mm -hmm. And I try to dump everything in there or I forget. So, yeah. um, so last question is, when do you get your best work done? Like what time of the day? Oh, first thing in the morning. Yeah, I'm here by usually quarter till seven, seven o'clock every morning. Yeah, in that first hour, two hours, I can knock out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. By the time the afternoon comes around, I'm about beat. <laughs> so <laughs> we've walked around all day from 20 different things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. Sometimes that end of day, once kids leave the buildings and mm -hmm. staff, that last from like 3 30 to 5 is really quiet. And I can get a lot of thinking and work done in there sometimes. So yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, most of my guys work six to two thirty. So uh, once they leave at two thirty, after that time, it quiets down, and and uh, you know the buses are rolling and that kind of stuff. So that's a, that's more of a quiet time too. So yeah. I would I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. If anybody has any other questions, um, what's the best way to kind of reach out to you? Uh, my contact information is on the website, uh, okay. or um, you know, three five nine forty one hundred. 816, 816 area code. You can feel All free. Right. Uh, and I can give you, I don't know if you can post contact information on the on the uh, podcast or whatever. I can give that to you as well. You have it. So yeah. That okay. Up, that's fine. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope to see you sometime at a conference. I'm going to jump one state over and hit some of your guys' Missouri. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have we have some good meetings over here. So, yeah, and I'm you know I'm not that too far from you. If you want to come up and visit and uh, see my this again, I repeated. I'm very fortunate. We have a new facility here where I'm sitting, a support services facility, that I'd be happy to show you around and we can talk more. That'd be awesome. My mother-in-law lives in uh, Olathe, so it's not far yeah. from where you are. So, yeah. sounds good. Well, thank you so much, and have a great week. You bet. Thank you, Bert.